1: It's Monday, August 14th, 2023 from Peachfish Productions. It's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. A shocking election result in Argentina. Javier Millet, quite surprisingly, won the primary, putting him in good position to be elected in the fall. Described by the AP as far right, the economist as libertarian, and the Guardian as a former tantric sex coach. He is a Donald Trump admirer has named his five dogs after economists, including Milton Friedman, and he sports mutton chops like another iconic American hero to him, Elvis Presley, and also Milton Friedman. What fascinates me about Millet is not any of this or not just this, but it's his slogan. Because for all the populist posing, we've seen many strains of that here and there and everywhere from Brazil to Hungary, but check out the slogan. (laughs) Viva la libertad, Carajo! Long live freedom! Damn it, Milay is not flexible. Millet is not a green, but you know who he's borrowing his motto from, right? I am Gumby, damn it! The more establishment bloc splintered the primary vote in Argentina, so even though he is at thirty percent, Millet is no shoo-in to win the presidency. Then Again, percents aren't what they seem in Argentina with annual inflation of over 100%. I would not trust any numbers to hold as much as I would expect the sentiment or at least the national cries of damn it to persist. On the show today, we were just in South America. Let's go to South Africa and the rest of Africa, including Niger or possibly Niger, depending on how you like to hear it pronounced. But first, you wouldn't take legal advice from someone who never attended law school. You probably wouldn't root for a football team comprised of people who quit football after their first year of Pop Warner. And yet, I've been listening to a podcast hosted by someone who doesn't watch horror movies. I should add, the podcast is about horror movies. How does that work exactly? Well, I will ask Allison Levy, co-host of Ruined, who has reviewed or at least given her opinion on more than a hundred horror movies for her podcast, despite only ever seeing three horror movies in her life. Alison Levy up next. This episode is brought to you by the Jordan Harbinger show. You've heard me talk about the Jordan Harbinger show because it's one of my favorites. Because his wife says, you know, what that picture and that man means to you, it doesn't mean to other people, and you have to understand that. And then in the interview, they got around to the point where McChrystal talked about that interview in Rolling Stone magazine that pretty much ended his career, where it got to the desk of Barack Obama, and it had McChrystal saying unflattering things about the war effort and just how he talked to his wife and how they decided not to be bitter and not to wallow in. He could have taken some shots at the process, the reporter or the president at that point, But he didn't. It was just an overall good interview. It was facilitated by Jordan's excellent interview style. Whether Jordan is conducting an interview or giving advice to a listener, you will find something useful that can apply to your own life in every single episode of The Jordan Harbinger Show. That could mean learning how to ask for advice the right way or discovering a little mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R, like the first three letters in HARD. B I N G E, as in how you'll want to catch up on all the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Allison Leiby is a writer, a performer a striking member of the Writers Guild of America. Her one-woman show was called Oh God, A Show About Abortion. It was about abortion. And she has this very intriguing podcast called Ruined, the conceit of which is she and her co-host watch a movie. It's horror. And then they talk about it, except Allison can't actually watch the movies. She is so frightened by horror as a genre that I think she's seen only three of them. So... It's a great podcast for people who love horror movies and people who never want to watch one but is but are curious about the plot and don't want to read about it in Wikipedia. Would rather have some funny people explain it. Allison, welcome back to The Gist. So
0: nice to be here. Thank you. Which three uh, horror movies have you ever seen in real life? So I've, I saw, um, oh my God, now I'm like totally blanking on um, Jordan Peele's first movie, Get Out
1: yeah wow. oh i thought i th- I thought you were, were gonna say that you know uh, now i'm blanking if sound of music is considered a horror <laughs> movie
0: <laughs> so i've seen um get out i've seen the shining mm-hmm. um and this one's kind of like a comp we like fight about this with each other and on the podcast with other people but um silence of the lambs i don't consider to be horror yeah. Um, I do think it's more of a, thr- a psychological thriller with there's some horror elements. And I will say I don't like those parts of that movie, but I really like that movie. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it. I think there's like one more that we found out I had seen floating around like when I was little. But that's that's it. That's kind of the the whole list
1: (laughs) yeah there are some maybe hazy lines between some genres but i don't think of silence of the lambs as a horror movie either uh there can be serial killer movies that are horror but i don't think the Dahmer miniseries on netflix was horror but i probably didn't watch that either
0: i didn't though not out of like necessarily like the fear of the content but i was like i just don't know I'm not like the world's biggest true crime person either. Um, I like my friend and I refer to talking about true crime. I'm like I don't love a documentary about like one person who goes missing or like a mini series about kind of like a guy who murders a few people. Like I like big institutional crime shows, yes. so like cults uh you know systemic issues that cause like massive pro- you know it's like lar- like climate stuff like that kind of stuff that's obviously way more horrific than a serial killer um, right i right. can get into so um, stalin
1: said one death is a tragedy a million deaths is a statistic but for you a million deaths that's when you maybe start tuning yes, in one death yeah. is boring Yeah,
0: i'm interested in that and it kind of like takes me out of like just like somebody getting stalked like which is very terrifying <laughs>
1: So I think about the three horror movies that you have watched, and they were Mm -hmm. excellent. They're all excellent movies, and I would think they would say, well, maybe you could give this genre more of an active try rather than just a passive listen. The Shining might commend you to other Kubrick movies, uh, or you might have said, maybe there's some other Stephen King, and you probably like Stand By Me. Maybe there's somewhere in the middle that's sort of horrible. But was it just that the scary parts were just so bothersome that you
0: didn't come back to the genre yeah it just like always i am someone who like weirdly like just will easily have a nightmare about something that i see or experience during the day um and i'm already kind of a terrible sleeper so i kind of don't need more help staying up at night i'm already doing that quite easily without horror i do like respect horror and totally understand that like a lot of these movies are good and there's lots of movies that i think it's like You could see this like you could get through this and and be pretty fine. And maybe one day I'll watch those movies. At this point, I've heard the plot and the ending to all of them. So I'm not sure that the because I do love a twist. Like that's kind of how the podcast got started, because Hallie loves these movies so much. And I was always like, well, just tell me the thing that happens because I'm never going to see it. And I really do need to know what this big twist is. <laughs> um, so to have a lot of that for so many movies that I, I, that I know are excellent and that I think are, are possibly things I could handle watching, at least during the day maybe. I think at some point I'll give a few other things a shot. But um, it just is a, it's not a genre that I personally enjoy. Um, but I, But I fully respect it so much. Do
1: you think that the twists that you've heard about play out to you in not the same way, but as surprising a way as they do the moviegoer? So I'll ask my question a little more coherently. The horror twists that really shocked moviegoers, are they consistently the ones when they're explained to you shock you? Or is it something else that you think is a good twist and maybe the people actually saw the movie said, nah, saw that one coming a mile away?
0: I mean, I am sure that the experience of viewing, because like I'm just hearing about it from my friend who's painting a fabulous picture of what's happening in the movie. Hallie is an excellent storyteller and a brilliant writer. Um, so she's very good at it. But like, I think that there is something for if you're sitting in the theater, you can start putting together the clues by seeing what's on screen. But I think in general, like the the big twists that people always are excited about, are the ones that I've been totally shocked by when we do them on the podcast. Oh, okay. Where I'm just like, whoa! This is what? They were dead? I yep. thought that they were the whole time. Like, you know, uh, obviously we've done The Sixth Sense. Um, <laughs>
1: have you done Have uh, yeah. you done Psycho on the show? Have you seen we Psycho have, in real life?
0: We have done Psycho. I have not seen Psycho. I have seen a handful of Hitchcock movies um, that I studied and like. Again, like I studied film in college um, right. as my minor, so like. I did, and like, and I don't find those, like, I mean, those movies are, are upsetting in ways. And like, I've seen Vertigo, I've seen, you know, a couple of his other, um, Rebecca, was that? Anyway. Can you think of anyone who
1: has as much expertise in an art form as you do in the art form of horror without having experienced <laughs> it firsthand?
0: <laughs> I I don't think so. I don't think that there is anyone who knows as much about a thing that they've never seen than me. That is, that is, uh, I will, I, I will take that crown. I do think that that I, I I would have a hard time imagining anyone else.
1: (laughs) So out of curiosity, with that in mind, I said to myself, I wonder if there are any famous deaf people who are experts in music. So not Beethoven oh. turned deaf, but it has to exist. And it turns out the literature says, yeah, it's really common because of percussion. Like yes, it's and also people don't people think of deaf as having to be total deafness. And then right. I said to myself, I wonder if there are any blind people who are docents at art museums. And the answer once again is yes, of course, but I, yes, yeah. But I don't know if actually they hold a candle to you.
0: Yeah, I mean we've done. I don't know how many episodes we have out. I should probably know that offhand, but I feel like we've done, like, over 100 episodes at this point. We've done so many movies. And the one thing is, like, we've done so many, and so many of them get really similar that they do blur together in my mind because I haven't had the experience of seeing them myself. Uh, But yes, I do feel like it would be hard to find someone else with this kind of expertise in something that they actively don't engage with. Um...
1: (laughs) Have you written for shows, I know your credits are Life and Beth, Mrs. Maisel, sometimes uh, writers aren't credited. Yes. My question is, or what I'm thinking about is, would you know some offer come to you, and mm. it's something like something in your wheelhouse? It's a funny horror show. It's a socially conscious horror show. Sure. or It's well, let's say here's the hypothetical: Jordan yeah. Peele, who you greatly admire, and he represents a third of your entire uh, horror consumption,
0: <laughs> says we're really staffing does.
1: a TV show and we need we want you. You want to give it a shot? It's going to be in the horror genre.
0: I think I think I would do it. I because I, I wonder if. The act of writing and, like, you know, writing is so... It seems so romantic, but I think we all know, like, it's not. It's just this very, like, do you want to spend three days talking about a two-page scene and, like, unpacking yeah. every word? It really might um, kind of dismantle horror for me a little bit to kind of see how it gets made and turn it into daily minutia and work. Yeah, In um, the way that Hallie's always, like, a good... Th- she was like, if you're ever watching something scary, just remember, like... You work in film and television, you know, like, these are actors. There was a call sheet. There's a PA off camera who has to go get call. like. Think right, about right. how mundane the work experience is. The 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 prop guys like oh
1: goddamn the scary monster keeps malfunctioning. Yeah, and it's just a pain in the ass. It's a piece of metal with uh dra- you know some cloth draped on it. It's not really a right. scary monster yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a line producer who's like nickel and diming over the cost of a bucket of blood for the props department. Like there's like those things like it does it does take away a little bit of the. Horror of it all so I wonder if writing it if actively kind of being involved in the creation of it would make it less scary or if it might who knows it might make it more scary to me
1: (laughs) well you know I wonder I wonder if people who just exist in this genre if they if they're if they are uh, such so expert at it you know Mm -hmm. from Stephen King on down right is it that they still have the capacity to experience horror, or they just know where it is in other people. And there's an analogy, I think, that probably could be made with comedy, because I've I been in comedy rooms, that. and it's not, you You guys are funny, right? And you understand where the joke is, but that doesn't mean there's a, usually a lot of laughter in a comedy room.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it depends on what you're working on, that's for sure. Um, but I think about it like, you know, I do stand-up, and I think about it with stand-up, um, you know, there's they say there's jokes that are for the back of the room. There are jokes that the audience doesn't like that the comics will laugh so hard at. They're standing in the back of the room waiting to go up because you've heard if you've done comedy, you've heard hours and hours of stand up every single night for however long you've done it. Like you've heard it all. Like I've heard every joke. I like I'm not saying that they still don't make me laugh, but like you are deadened and you want edgier and edgier or more surprising or more different things and i am sure and like and i feel that as a comedian i am certain that that has to be how horror works that like yes you see enough that you're like i need more i need like i mean even just like the general consumer appetite like you know saw is not a movie they could have made in like 1961. right um but you know now there's 10 of them but so. they
1: but they did make the hills have eyes in 1977 did That's they not That's
0: true and that yeah. movie sounds so scary <laughs> I did not like hearing about it
1: <laughs> What so so there are different subgenres of the genre and there are different yes. trends and for a while uh, all trends in popular entertainment today are mostly based on what was the last thing that's successful and let's try to do a hundred versions of that. But I also do think, and I know from listening to the show that you agree, that to some point it's responding to the zeitgeist. So from mm-hmm. what, you've done a lot of shows about toys, killer toys. Yes. And they're around Child's Play was a big one in the 80s. Mm-hmm. What yeah. do you think was behind the rush to consider our toys deadly?
0: I feel like it was, it probably came as a wave after like kind of this like consumerism boom in the eight like i like i was a kid then and i i have family that was a kid kind of uh, that are gen x and i feel like there was just like all the sudden like advertising and consumption of like you need all of these toys as opposed to like this is my baby doll and that's my baseball mitt and like those are what we have and it's like well you need chucky but then also there's my buddy and like all the different th- like right that was one i like wherever he goes and teddy I go, ruxpin um, do you remember you know, my
1: buddy's uh my, my buddy's sibling kid sister kid sister
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, i like can't even like really say those words without actually s- almost singing it yeah
1: <laughs> it's like the abc's yeah
0: <laughs> i my guess is that it would be that that was part of it that like we had this like huge like you know television and advertise like in the 80s were kind of Exploding in a way that it's like, well, here's a thing that we can't stop seeing every time we look at a screen or a magazine or a page. So, let's make it scary. That's got to. I mean, it's got to be part of it. But I'm sure there's some other like, you know, parenting changed or something. You know, it's like it's hard. Do you do you think that there was anything behind the toy boom of the scary toys that I culturally?
1: I I think that I mean there are always those toy trends, but maybe this just correlates to my life, but. Cabbage Patch dolls became Mm -hmm. this national obsession and they're just they're almost in that Like they're just to the side of cute rather than Mm -hmm. disturbing So someone looking at a Cabbage Patch doll maybe that he couldn't acquire started to get resentful And then we're wondering I can't even get my kid a Cabbage Patch doll Maybe what if these Cabbage Patch dolls started stabbing people and then we're off and running. Yes, yeah, I think that that's a good
0: theory. <laughs>
1: okay. So there were the killer toys. And then, th- again, the bad seed as a horror movie was, I think, in the 60s. So it's not like uh, horror movies mm-hmm. invented this in the 90s. But right. man, was there a spate of creepy kid movies. What do you think's behind that?
0: Yeah. I mean, kids are creepy. So <laughs> there you go. I don't think. I don't know if there's like a trend or if that's uh, that's something I always feel. <laughs> well, I mean, you had an abortion, of course. <laughs> yeah, I know. did. Yeah. That's, kids that's, are that's, creepy. That's, that's what,
1: <laughs> So, is <laughs> that it? Just the truth? We're finally able to admit kids are creepy.
0: I, you know, I'm sure that there is, like, in horror, and I think it's true in, like, in comedy too, and just in any art. Like, sometimes the thing that's around the most has the, like, everybody interacts with children. Like, everybody, see, we've all seen children at some point in our lives. And I do think that that makes for, well, if we make it scary, everybody has experienced this. Everybody has seen a kid walking alone, and you're like, what's that? What's happening over there? Like, I do think, like, the universality of it and, like, the simplicity and broadness, like, gives it the opportunity to actually be very scary because you don't have to over-explain at the top what's happening. Like, you see a creepy kid, that's a creepy kid. Like, you're unsettled. There is, and then, like, you can just jump into, like, the fun that you want to have in the movie without this kind of big... Okay, so you know what robots are? Okay, well, robots, if you haven't used a computer before, robots are, like, I think that there's just, you don't have to translate very much. It's just already there, and then you can just get to the fun.
1: mm so, last thing I want to ask you about is this: there is the theory of horror movies that they serve as catharsis. That we have these horrors in real life; it's hard to deal with them. So, if we put them in the fictional realm, or even just the realm of the testing ground or the proving ground, it you know helps us uh, as a people to process these difficult to deal with uh, actual emotions sometimes that's just a highfalutin way to say you know to gussy up the fact that people like to be scared like people like roller coasters Mm -hmm. but assuming that's true a little bit do you feel robbed of that
0: I mean Hallie talks about this a lot and how like she uses like horror is such a kind of um band-aid for her anxiety not band-aid but like helps her anxiety because like in horror there is often i mean there are movies that don't but like a lot of it it gets the bad thing ends it gets resolved there is a beginning middle and end to horror that is i mean to all movies but like just in particular like the resolution feels very satisfying and that like kind of can feel calming when you feel like you don't have that resolution for the different things that are horrific in your own life um So I do, there is like a little bit of me where I'm like, that does feel like it might make me, like I didn't see hereditary, obviously, (laughs) but I know that it is kind of about grief and about what that does to you and your brain and and your life and your family. And and it would be satisfying to watch something that is talking about that, that does end, even if that end is scary. When we meet, I meet like fans of the pod, you know, listeners, I hate saying fans, but like... Um, Everybody's like, I'm totally an Allison or like, I'm a Hallie, I've seen everything. And it's like, there are, it is like a 50-50 split for like, at least when I talk to people that like, half the people that listen are like, I have seen one horror movie and I never, ever, ever want to again. And I've listened to every episode of your podcast. And I'm like, oh, it's just, inter- it's like, I'm interested. I want to know what happens. Like, I am I love gossip. Like, this is just gossip about undead people. <laughs>
1: Allison Levy is a stand-up comic writer. Her one-woman show was, oh God, a show about abortion. She still tours with that. And we've been talking mostly about her podcast, Ruined, which she co-hosts with Hallie Kiefer. Allison, thanks so much. Thank you. And now the spiel. Niger, coup, neighbors upset, ECOWAS, the Wagner Group. It's all going on in Africa where the African country of Niger, and that's how I'm going to say it, not Niger, I'll be saying Niger, the president or former president, he's now under house arrest, Bazoum, he's arrested with his wife and his 20-year-old son. They are said to be locked up in the presidential palace, which is not bad seemingly, but in actuality, They are in the basement of the presidential palace. They are running out of food and not everyone's in good shape, the BBC reports. The doctor's visit reportedly came as a huge relief to the president, his wife and their 20-year-old son, who has a serious medical condition. Earlier, the UN human rights chief, Volker Turk, said the conditions of their detention were inhumane, degrading and in violation of international human rights law. But despite the widespread condemnation, the military junta continues to hold Mr. Bazoom, presumably as a hostage, to make West African leaders think twice about military intervention. The young Bazoom, the 20-year-old son, has a chronic medical condition and he has also reportedly been denied care. The big Bazoom has also lost weight and is in worrying condition. The pressure, for the restoration of the democratically elected president was, as per this next BBC report, coming from ECOWAS, the economic community of West African states, ECOWAS, which more pertinent to this standoff is not just an economic community, but also a military community. And here is the update on how ECOWAS, some call it ECOWAS, some call it Niger, where they stood before this weekend countries from the West African regional body ECOWAS say uh, they've now agreed on a plan for a possible military intervention in Niger if the military leaders who seize power there uh, don't restore the country's president for the deadline. The deadline is Sunday. On Sunday evening, a member of the junta's communication team told journalists that the regime had approved talks with ECOWAS that would take place in the coming days. A mediation team of Islamic scholars from neighboring Nigeria had planned to meet the junta over the weekend, and they were said all said to be open to dialogue with ECOWAS. So I guess what we need to do is just trust the junta. Everyone, take a deep breath and let the military junta do its job. Take them at their word. I'm sure the military junta can be trusted to, oh no, here's CBS with an update. Niger's military junta says uh, it will prosecute ousted President Mohamed Bazoum for high treason. A spokesperson said yesterday that coup leaders had gathered evidence to prosecute Bazoum for, quote, high treason and undermining the internal and external security of Niger. And what is the penalty for high treason? According to Niger's penal code, if found guilty, he could face the death penalty. NPR with the slightly too jaunty intonation there. So what have we learned? Junta is going to junta, or depending on your part of the world, junta. Nobody puts baby in a corner, but putting Bazoom in a basement seems to be working, sadly enough. And ECOWAS, a collection of West African nations which themselves have been toppled or threatened by coup, might not be the most credible intermediary. But if Niger Niger wants to follow another African country, if they want another neighbor not really a neighbor one five thousand miles to the south but if they want someone to emulate maybe they should look to south africa because in south africa they don't depose their former leaders then jail them they follow procedure they vote them out of office then they try them then they jail them only when jacob zuma was sent to prison three or four days ago this happened It was a quick in and out for
0: former president Jacob Zuma here in the Escorts Correctional Services facility. Zuma arrived here at exactly six o'clock in the morning. He was briefly processed
1: and then released. South Africa's News 24 on the penal toe touch from the former president. Zuma only served two months of a 21 month sentence before that, you know, minute and a half in jail. He was supposed to be serving a new sentence or the remainder of the sentence three days ago, but as you heard, he checks into jail, and then the current president of South Africa, Ramaphosa, announced a wide prisoner release benefiting Jacob Zuma, his immediate predecessor. Now, the two are rivals, though. They're also members of the ANC, but so was every president of the Republic of South Africa since Nelson Mandela, who famously spent approximately 9,900 more days in prison than Jacob Zuma. During Zuma's time as president, by the way, crime was out of control and prison overcrowding was a problem. Thus giving occasion to his eventual release in the name of prison overcrowding. Way to not correct the problem that you would eventually benefit from. But enough of all this bad news from Africa, lest I give the impression that nothing good happens in Africa, I bring you these sweet sounds. (laughs) Well, yes, actually, that is a man crying. His name is Tembu Abire, and he was trying to set the record for consecutive hours crying. It is part of a Nigerian Guinness Book of World Records mania. The head of the Guinness Book of World Records says he's gotten over 7,000 attempts from Nigeria this year, all inspired after a Nigerian chef, Hilda Basie, captured the imagination of the continent's most populous country. Abere, the crier, Apparently, did not officially set the record. He did say he temporarily went blind in the process of trying to cry for over 100 hours. But the point is, it's the indomitable spirit of a people, of a continent, of a giant, though not officially record-setting crybaby. And that's it for today's show. Corey War is The Gist producer. Joel Patterson is The Gist senior producer. Michelle Pesquez, is CLO of Peachfish Productions and Peachfish Abatement. The Gist is presented in collaboration with Lipson's AdvertiseCast. For advertising inquiries, go to AdvertiseCast.com slash The Gist do peru, G peru do peru. Thanks for listening.